Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. Hi, everybody. I'm Clef. Hey, I'm Chad. I'm Richie. You know what time it is coming up this next weekend? Uh, Baseball season. Is it really baseball season? Well, I mean, spring training games start. Oh, yeah, that's true. It's also going to be Oscar. We've, we've lost Richie completely. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Oscar weekend. I still think Richie's out. I'm out again. <laughs> uh, did you see any of those? Uh, a Star is Born. Oh, you did see that. Yeah, Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper. I think it's pronounced Gaga. <laughs> Sorry, Lady Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I saw that one, and I'm guessing probably not any others because I don't I think that's the only movie I've seen in the past six months. Wow. I've seen no new Name some. Yeah. Uh, there is the Green Book one, which is the one of the very few that I wanted to see. And it was about this guy who's a black jazz piano player, I think, and he's traveling down to the deep south and he hires Vigo Mortensen as a white driver. And because there was a real thing, a Green Book back in those days, and it was a special book that where black people could stay in the south and stuff like that. Oh, okay. I did see. I did see the previews for that. I'd be interested in seeing that one. See, the issue is, is everything that I watch. There's no commercials anymore. Right. So I have no clue right. about any movies that are coming out, except for Us. That's the only movie that like I'm excited to see. The one from uh, Jordan Peele. Oh, uh, right. The, yeah. So I mean, that's outside of that. I don't see. Yeah. Yeah. Any commercials or trailers or anything? I think it's kind of a down year, honestly. Though the one movie that I saw, uh, this didn't—I don't think it got nominated for anything. Although I will say, I think Tony Collette should have been nominated. But I finally saw that movie that people have been talking about—that Hereditary movie. That's oh, that yeah, yeah, really yeah. freak show, scary movie. I, I'm not kidding. I was like, I was by myself uh, at home, kind of cleaning up around the house and folding clothes and stuff like that. I stood for most of that movie. <laughs> I, I was just standing really? up watching that thing the whole time, and then. I felt so uncomfortable after it was over. And usually you kind of you kind of go It's more disturbing than anything else, right? Yeah, it's disturbing. I mean, it's freaky too, but it's okay. it's it's this really unsettling feeling. And usually you're kind of like, "Ooh, okay, yeah, that I kind of that kind of shook huh. me up a little bit." But this, I was like, I just wanted to go away now. <laughs> I wanted to stop. I don't want to feel uncomfortable like Interesting. this. Interesting. So, people are probably here to listen to us talk yeah, about board so games. Yeah, we should do that. And so. not movies. <laughs> All right. Well, so, Richie, what have you been playing lately? Well, I got into play of Ground Floor, but the second edition. So, oh, I'm excited to hear about this. because yeah. I've only played the first edition. Okay, yeah, and so the you know we played that at the 24 Hour Gaming, right? Yes, we did. Yeah, and I was intrigued by it. And did we play at the full player count? Uh, we did. I think we had six, six players. Yeah. Okay, so I picked up the second edition, which is being sold right now, I believe, through the BGG store only. Possibly, you may be able to get it directly from Spielworks, but it's David Short is the designer. Uh, it's coming from Spielworks as the publisher now, uh, where before, I think the original was TMG. Uh, yes, yes, it is TMG, the okay. original one, yeah. So there are some changes as far as the gameplay, and I'll get into that kind of towards the end here. Overall, it's a worker placement game, basically, where you are, and I won't go into all of the different phases of a turn, but it's a worker placement game where you are the CEO of a company and you're building your business up from the ground floor. It actually, you have like your little building there and you'll add levels to that. Uh, building, which is actually a pretty cool uh, little feature of the game. But uh, like I said, it's a worker placement game. And in this, you have time tokens as your workers, essentially. And depending on how many employees you have, 
determines how many time tokens you have. And like I said, there's a lot of different phases within a round, but the main phase where you're taking actions is the scheduling business phase and then the conduct business phase. So there's a main board and then you have your own personal board. And on the main board, any actions that you take up there are delayed. So they don't take place until you get to the conduct business phase. And then any actions that are on your main player board take place immediately. Uh, it's a tough, tight game. And usually I don't like, you know, brutal punishing games. But in this, I mean, the you basically have two main resources, money and information, and you never have enough of either, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And... So uh, as far as the things that they changed, I know Clef was interested in this. The things that they changed, it, it no longer supports six. It's only five players. Okay. And before you would play nine rounds or until someone built their fifth level, I, I think believe. So. Yep. Now it's just seven rounds, period. Okay. Okay. And the last thing that really, oh, I know they, they also folded in. There was like a little mini expansion that came out after the original came out. That's all folded into this and it just adds new economic cards and different things like that sure and now there is a new spot on the board because when you place your workers out there there are several different actions that are on the board and they will resolve in order every time so you'll start they're labeled like a b and they go through that they had a new spot in there which allow which is the stock market which allows you to get money it's another place to get money because in this game if in the original game the only way to get money really was selling your little widget to the retail uh -huh. outlets right, right. Uh, so that is in there now uh, so it's it's still tight though because even with that stock market you'll only be able to get out money if it's a, a favorable economic situation so like if you're in a depression you're gonna get nothing out of it but if you're in a boom you could if you play your cards right you might be able to get some cash out of there hmm. interesting so I definitely want to play it with you Clef because I think I think you'll like the changes that they made okay. overall I've been playing it a lot on because it's on Yukata you can play the second edition on Yukata uh, de and I've been playing a lot on there and it's climbing the ranks in my I think it, it might crack my top 100 here pretty soon. I've been playing it so much and, and been enjoying it. Hmm. And I showed Jessica the game and she actually liked it. I didn't think she was going to like it at first, but I, I really, I think if I show her anything right now that's not about farming and wheat, she's in. <laughs> she, she does not want to play anything that where you're trading far or trading wheat or stone or anything like that. She's against all of those. So. She's done. Yeah, she's, she's like done. the opposite. Yeah. Of so it. like, if you wanted to play a game that has that, you're just gonna have to pretend and put new resources in the I, game. Yeah, I say, could do that. Yeah, just swap uh, out we're components. trading um, DVDs for <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. She's like the opposite of like a board game vegan. Then she yes. like no wheat. What she's like gluten free board gaming. Right. Right. Exactly. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, I want to play this game too because I've oh, heard, yeah, you didn't play in yeah, the yeah I didn't the, the get to do it at the twenty four hour so and uh, honestly it sounds like two great changes right making it go from six to five players hey that's right. always good and then also shortening it up a little bit too well at least in my opinion it is one of the best games to play a Euroy type of game at six players because I've I mean yes it went a little long but. I mean, I don't think that game was that incredibly long, and we played six players, and it and it had to be a teach in front of it. It plays, I think, because it's so makes everything so much tighter, makes it pretty. So I'm interesting. Two players, I mean, they have to cut back on the spaces or something. I'm assuming, right? Every space, there's less spaces there as well already, and now on the board they have sections where you know only four players plus, only three players plus, and so on. So yes, in a two player game, they do shrink up the spot, so it is still tight and okay. Tough. So it still makes it tight. Well, I, 
I'm interested to play it. I, I'm I'm curious on how it goes. And yeah, Chad, you definitely need to play this. One oh, I, I, I want good. to. And it looks like I said, it looks it's got a really great look to it. It's the best yeah. non Eno tool art I've seen <laughs> in quite a while. So. How, can you check how how long it took for him to say Ian O'Toole in We're the episode? 12 minutes in. 12 minutes yeah. in, and he has said, all right, perfect, all right. Yeah, but I think it'll be right up your alley because it's tight, it's you know tough, there's a lot of tough decisions because, it. and this is like one of the few worker placement games where you don't necessarily want to get more workers right away because just like in you know a real business, if you expand too quickly, you're going to be screwed, you're going to have no money, and you'll just have a bunch of time tokens that you can't do anything with. So you can get five workers total, you know, including your CEO. And I have played games where I've only gotten one more worker because if you are efficient enough, you don't necessarily need all that extra time. But it, it can help, especially in the larger player games as well. Right. So. Yeah. But yeah, so that's uh, Ground Floor. Definitely go check it out. Uh, like Chad said, this edition is beautiful and I'm glad to have a copy finally in my collection. So what have you been playing, Clef? Well, I'm going to kind of go old school on us here too. Um, well, I mean, if you want to consider six years ago, old school. Um, <laughs> in board games, game, yes. Yeah, I should guess it in board games. That's it's, it's almost like dog years anymore. I have been playing Brussels 1893. Which, nice. Yeah, I mean, it's always been one of my favorites. Another game that I feel like actually can support playing a five-player Euro, and it plays better than at the lower player counts. Absolutely, I yeah, agree with definitely. that one. Um, which is unusual. Most Euro games, I mean, three is probably where I most of the time want to be at when it's a two- to four-player game, you know, three, uh, and I don't mind them at two, but uh, this game is, is good at five. Um, okay, this game is designed by Etienne Esperman, and art is from Alexander Rocher, and then uh, published by Pearl Games. This game really has, it has worker placement, where you're having to place your workers up there, but it also has bidding, where you're trying to put the most money in a column to win an auction, I guess, type of thing. And then you also have other worker placement spots where you're going to do different things. It's, it's just got a whole bunch of great uh, mechanisms kind of all put together. But it's really nice in that auction row where you're trying to win the auction and sometimes, oh, you know, you might want to put yours, you know, put more money up there. But then if there's still a spot, somebody could come and steal it from you and then you wasted all that money. And I like that kind of give and take type of thing. I also like the fact there's lots of different ways. You know, some people would call this a point salad game. Sometimes I really don't like that term point salad. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's ways to score points and that's just, you can choose which ways you kind of want to go. You can build a lot of those buildings to put those uh, and, and then move that tracker up. I feel like I'm explaining this game terribly. I don't know. If, if you want to know more about this game, go play it because it's awesome. But um, I got in a five-player game the other night and taught, you know, four new people. Unfortunately, I really got the bad teacher award. I absolutely just destroyed them. I, I think somebody wasn't within 50 points of me at the end of the game. Um, that's certainly a game that when you know it a little bit better, it's easier to play it. But, uh, yeah, I mean – Top-notch game. Uh, I mean, it's at least in my top 15 of all time. I really love it. That's uh, Brussels. Yeah, it's in my top 25 for sure, I I believe. This game has a history to it, too, because you taught it to me, and then I taught it to Clef, basically. It's kind of how we all... Because I had said, hey, yeah, I definitely want to play that game. I I bought it because somebody was talking about how it was out of print, so I bought it, and I was going to give it to a a friend who kind of wanted it, and I started looking, and I was like, I'm sorry, I kind of want to keep this for myself. (laughs) Uh, But then you taught it to me at a convention, Mm -hmm. and, and then I loved it so much and i was raving to it about clef and uh, raving to clef about it and you know it would just 
It's it's a great combination of those mechanisms. Yeah, the that's what tile I was laying the because there's even that tile laying and the set collection and how you move. You didn't talk about it, but how you're trying to manipulate that sort of market for the yeah for the, the resources and oh, the resources. Yeah. Which that's probably the thing that Richie likes the most because you can be really mean with that. Yeah, you if you get somebody. there, yeah, move it just right, and all of a sudden their all their stuff is just worthless to them because then they can't build. Yeah, Richie yeah. likes taking probably taking advantage of people and making them go to jail and lose some workers. That's what <laughs> I was about to say, I do like that where you can take those free actions, but you're really risking. If you take too many, if of you them, take too you many of them, right. Go to jail. Uh, but I mean, money's super tight in that game too. So sometimes that's all you can do is go up there and take a free action. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So definitely one of our favorites. Highly recommend. I feel like for as good as this game is, it's still a little, a little underrated? bit underrated. I, I don't know. I, it, that's sort of such a relative term sometimes, but I just don't feel like enough people have heard of this game. So It was out of print for a long time. I know they brought it back, but is it still in print is the question. I don't, I'm not sure if, if it is, actually. That is Brussels 1893, so check it out. So Richie had old. I had old. What do you got for us, Chad? Another old game? Uh, no, this is a new game. This is a new game. All right, the good. The only reason... <laughs> what do we got? The only reason this isn't a full review is because of Richie, so... <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa! Why am I getting the blame here? Wow! The gauntlet is throwing. <laughs> this and is, what is that? <laughs> this game is Underwater Cities by Vladimir Suhi and Delicious Games. Delicious Games is actually Vladimir Suhi's uh, imprint, his own label that he created just so he could basically put out this game. So he started this game designer company, basically. Game publishing company, I should say. Excuse me. This game is an engine building game it's been compared often already to terraforming mars it's the new hotness it was over at essen it hasn't quite come out from real grand games or real grande games they are in the process of getting it over here in the states but clef got a copy and i've gotten to play it a few times now and i really enjoy it so <laughs> i tell us why <laughs> I take issue with this being blamed on me. It's not on my cell shelf. It's on Clef's cell shelf. Yes, yes, but however, you played a one solo game and you're basically like, yeah, I'm not playing that again. <laughs> we can't do a review because I'm not playing that again. So I, I've played it like five times already. So right, yes, right. you have played, played it a lot. Yep. But he, okay, so let me give give uh, our our listeners the crux of what the game is. It is a it is an engine builder at heart, and what you're doing is over three eras, you are getting these cards. These cards do certain actions for you. You're going to lay them down, but the cards are also your workers. So there are spots around the board, and you're laying down these cards in these spots. If you match the color of the card to the color of the action out on the board, you're going to get to do both things. But very often, you aren't able to do that. Even if you really want to take that action, you may be just forced to use any card from your hand and not get the bonus of what's on the card sometimes. But it provides some really good decisions in there, which I find to be to be very interesting. Also, with the game, you only get production from everything that you've built, because you're building these underwater cities, you're trying to connect things and build things from these resources, you only get production three times in the whole game. So you really kind of have to make your production count. It's not like Terraforming Mars, where you're constantly every round, you produce this and produce that and stuff like that. And the other thing I want to say is that I really enjoy the worker placement out on the board versus Terraforming Mars. I'm going to build this this grass or this forest out here or do the oceans out here those sort of things because quite often you're 
you're looking at a lot of things out on the board and going, oh, I, I need to take this action, but I know that he's going to want this action because it's a really efficient one on his next turn. So I better snap this up, even though I don't have that color card that I need. And so it forces you into some tough decisions about what might be optimal for you. But ultimately, like I said, you're gathering resources. You're trying to build these cities and the person with the most points uh, wins. The other thing that I do like on this is a turn order track. It's called the Federation track. And that provides another level of player interaction that I feel like, I don't want to say that Terraforming Mars doesn't. It certainly does. You're racing after those milestones and that sort of thing. I guess I just enjoy the interaction that that Underwater Cities fosters in a different way for those that are, are fans of Terraforming Mars. I I like the decisions that it forces you into a little bit better than I have forced. I like the the score trying to score the milestones first or and there is some card interaction but not much of it it's not like the what is it the meteorite or or comet or whatever that can wreck people's plants and stuff like that in in terraforming mars anyway my point is i i really enjoy this game and i think that if you do like terraforming mars you're bound to like underwater cities i don't know if you'll like it as much i don't know if you might like it more i think for those that wanted to like terraforming mars but didn't quite it didn't quite do it it's worth a look for you so that that's my feelings on 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 underwater cities but i know that these guys are going to have some other thoughts (laughs) so i'll say mine real quick since i've only played the the one solo game it's i I guess i don't know who this game is for because if you're a terraforming mars fan i don't see this drawing you over because you already have terraforming mars and it's very reminiscent of that and if you don't like like the reason i and I once again, I will play Terraforming Mars again. I've only played the one time and it was just in a, a bad setup. I want a shorter game. And this, even at the solo, was a little longer than I want it to be. Uh, so I, like I want someone to make a Terraforming Mars game that's fast, quick. I mean, I like just, Wingspan. Yeah, like Wingspan or Race for the Galaxy or San Juan. I guess I already have those games. So that's where I'm at. OK, well, I got a, I got a book over here. <laughs> <laughs> I will start off by saying I, I realize that we are... The three of us are probably in a minority camp that is not as big a fan as Terraforming Mars. I mean, most people, Terraforming Mars is, if it's not their favorite game of all time, I mean, it's it's up there. for. I mean, for people that play a lot of the same games we do, I should yeah. say. It's okay? like number three on the BGG Top 100? Uh, something, something on like those that. lines, okay? So, for sure, we're in the minority, okay? As you said, Underwater Cities is, is similar to Terraforming Mars. So, right away, I mean, that's, that's going to maybe be... A little bit for me, not as, since I don't like Terraforming Mars, the same type of thing. But I was excited that I thought there was going to be a lot more interaction in Underwater Cities. But I was wrong. This game, you just don't, I mean, Chad, one of the things you said was that you feel like there was times where you would take a worker placement spot from somebody because you didn't want them to have something. Never one time did I ever go, oh, I'm going to take that spot because, you know, they need it. I mean, I took an action spot because A, I'd have a card that was that color or B, it was my best action. So I never had a point where I thought, oh, I'm going to go block somebody from a spot. Now, maybe in general, I don't think that in a lot of games, you know, I'm just taking my best optimal turn. I'm not usually a oh, I'm going to try to screw over my opponent type of thing. So, okay. So I'm just saying, but I never had that. The Federation thing, I just kind of thought that that was just kind of humdrum. I mean, I just didn't find that to be all that um, exciting, I guess. I don't know. I just, it was just kind of a, oh, if I got the Federation points and then I, more, I wanted the resources more than I cared about going first. I mean, I was never really about going first getting from that Federation track. Well, see, Uh, 
To your point, I think that some of those spaces, would you agree that some of those spaces out on the board are much better than others? Sure. So you take them because you need them, not because you don't want your opponents to have them. Well, what I'm saying is if I'm prioritizing, I'm going, okay, well, I'd really like to take this spot right now, but I I know that if I don't take this spot, this other the other player across the table for me is going to take it before I get to. So now I got to rush over there and take that spot. And then even if I don't have all the resources that I'd really like to do with my turn to do that action, I'm going to do that first and then go back and get these resources that I need. So it makes you kind of prioritize, even if it's not always the most optimal, I feel like. And by the same token, if it's really important to get that spot, then sometimes it's important to be first player and be top of that federation track if you've got a really big plan for the next round i guess i never found any of the action spaces i guess i just never found any of the action spaces to be that much like more exciting where i was like oh my goodness if i don't get to go first i don't get to do the blah blah like okay i'll take another example of a game that where that is a a a thought process russian railroads Right. Russian railroads going first is a huge deal because you can always go get either the two coins, which is basically the two workers or the spot that gives you the two workers. You know, those are like huge spots. I don't feel like there's that spot in ter- in sorry in underwater cities. I, I just every feel- spot is just you know okay I can do well I don't have that spot okay I'll go over here and do that on this spot. Well, there are certain spots on the board that if you don't get to those spots first, you're not building for that whole round. And if you're not building for that whole round, that can really screw with your production. Okay. So I, I really think that there are certain spots that are important to do. If you don't get to them first, you can you can be messed up. I kind of it's not quite as tight, but I I kind of think of it like the Lorenzo. Uh, the Lorenzo spot where if somebody goes to that production first, your machine can be shut down. Now it's not that drastic. Okay. Don't get too excited. Put your hands down, sit down. <laughs> you just said Lorenzo I, talking I about underwater cities. I was, <laughs> I was just... I'm, I'm not comparing it completely to Lorenzo, Magnifico, but I'm, I'm just saying that yeah. I feel like some of those spots, gosh, if you don't get there and then you get shut out of building some of that stuff where you need to get those resources that it's going to give you for the next round or the next age era, whatever, that can really mess you up. It can mess up your plan. I feel like there are some combos that you can build in this game that are much more satisfying. And don't get me wrong, I just gave it a five, but are much more satisfying than Wingspan. Wingspan has its own seat at the table for me, but the combos that you can build in this are a little bit more satisfying for me. Now, how do you feel? I mean, we might as well just rate this at the end of this. Uh, How do you (laughs) feel about... (laughs) I've heard kelp is the way to go it's not it's not it can be but it's not totally there are other strategies that can do that and that's another thing where clef you know i I feel like even though he's played it a bunch i feel like miss missing some of the player interaction you have to there are also scoring cards out in the game and when i when i kind of i kind of curb stomped clef with the kelp strategy he let me get all those scoring bonuses of the of the sea of the kelp cards basically he kind of he kind of let me go through and get him and i was hoping he wasn't going to see him and I, I just kind of was able to those those scoring cards that are out that you can take from that deck you know almost everything that i got were were kelp cards okay well and that may be my fault that I'm, <laughs> I'm not paying enough attention but there's another reason why i'm not paying that much attention oh my god the game is way too long oh my god 10 rounds of painstakingly long turns and you know it Chad, you've always, you've admitted, sometimes you're a little prone to AP more than, than Richie and I. Right. And, you know, I mean, so it'd be like, oh my goodness, I'm sitting there for, for five minutes before I'm doing something again. And it's, and once again, 
Same thing with Terraforming Mars. You've got those combos that you start to go on. And so then it's like, okay, then I'm doing this. Okay, now I'm doing this. And now I'm doing this. And then I'm I'm drifted off. I'm somewhere else. I'm I'm done listening or thinking or, you know, I'm just, I'm not interacting anymore. I'm, I'm just watching somebody have this incredible big engine go off. One of the reasons why I stopped playing Dominion was that because, you know, somebody would all of a sudden go through their entire deck every single turn and I'd be sitting there going, okay, wait for me. And then I'd play like one little thing and do something and I'd be done and I'd then wait for 20 minutes while they go off. I just don't like games like that. That, it just loses me. I mean, yes, and I realize when I say the word brass, you know, that's a big, that's a big, great game. But the interaction, how quick you do this, and yet you still have a lot of thought process. But you have that interaction on the board of, I need to get to here to do this. You know, that maybe that's just where I'm going into more is I want that interaction. I want to be battling for things. I feel like in Lorenzo, I'm battling to try to witch tower to get to this card to get to that. Oh, I better get to production. You know, it's a battle out there for that. I don't get that in, in underwater cities. Hmm. Well, you know, actually, Richie, with I mean, with him saying, you know, player interaction, more battling. I think we should review Root again now that the expansion's out and you have that. Let's let's do all that, right? right. Some player interaction and some battling. <laughs> Jerks. <laughs> all right. Well, so I, what would you rate this? I'm. I think it makes my top ten for the year. We'll do that soon. I think it makes my top ten for the year. I, I like it. I can see what you guys say about too long, but Clef, I'm going to say, I don't know how many plays of it you've had. You said five. How many have been with some people who have played it before? A couple of them. Okay. Because I think that after you've played it a couple times, then you can go more more quickly, more smoothly. I understand the time constraint on this, and I think both the games of Terraforming Mars and Underwater Cities are are games that you want to play with people who have played it a couple times, and then it's a little bit more tolerable. All right, so you're at a five. Clef? Is, it, is that correct? Is it a five for you? Yeah, it, it's a five, and I want to tell our listeners here, too, just keep in mind that even though we're doing this sort of impromptu review, we haven't had as many plays of it, all of us. I've, ha- I've had three or four, I think, but we haven't had as many plays, all of us, as we normally would have right, for a I, game. So, And honestly, I would I would prefer to play it more before I really gave a, uh, an actual review. Okay, I'll say this. It was on the sell shelf, but I had like two or three people ask about buying it, and I was like, eh, I'm not 100% positive I'm ready to sell it yet. So it's not like on the real, real sell shelf, all right? It's on the I don't know yet sell shelf. This is not a one. I will tell you that much, okay? It's, it's, this is not Root, all right? Um, <laughs> I, I really give Root a hard time. It's probably, it's bad a game as I give it trouble for sometimes. But Root, it's not um, you, it's Clef. Yeah, it's, it really is, all right? Yeah. <sighs> I think I would probably land, I think I would land on a three. I don't think it's going to remain in my collection for one thing, because I have a hundred other games that I'd rather play, but I see it having, I mean, I enjoy it more than terraforming Mars. I I know a lot of people would, would really just gasp at me saying, you know, that over that, but um, so I, I don't know. I would probably put it a three. It's a game that, like, if Richie would have come back and said, oh, I really want to play this, I would have played it. I, I would play it. And even now, if somebody said, Clef, I would really like to play Underwater Cities, I would play it and teach it to him. So it's not like I'm like, no way, I'm not playing it. So I, I guess I'd put it at a three. Well, I will, if the listeners really want a full review of this, so get into the Slack channel and voice your opinion, <laughs> I will go through the plays of it if, if need be. 
Well, how many? So, how many votes would it take then for us to do that? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is basically what we've been playing. Am I? Am I correct? If you want to, yes. you want to. <laughs> that was a very weird. What have you been playing? Yeah. If, yeah, it was. But I just thought you know listeners might like to hear a little bit about Underwater Cities. So there you have it. Underwater Cities by Vladimir Suhi. For most of you, for most of you, excuse me, I would expect that it is at least a try. Let's. Move on to our Kickstarter corner, Clef. Okay, well, actually, I don't have a Kickstarter game this time. I have a game that uh, you can purchase uh, through the BGG game store. And it's not quite ready, but it will be ready, it looks like, by May. And that is a game called Yinchi. Um, it's for two to four players, and it is by Rola and Kostya. Um, and it's produced by Spielworks. So they're only going to make a thousand copies of this. So this game, I mean, if you're interested, you better get there quick. So because they really, that's, that's it. Uli does one run through and I mean, if somebody else doesn't pick it up, uh, that's all you get. I know the last time I got a Spielworks game was was uh, Gentis, which I loved, and I was really glad I got it early because I got mine from Spielworks. Um, how is your guys' game coming from uh, the uh, TMG Kickstarter? Have, have you played it yet? <laughs> and they claim it's on a boat. Some boat. But I don't somewhere. know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be here this past November, right? Yeah. yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah, it's a boat. crashed in an yeah, iceberg and maybe Titanic boat. Maybe that's what yeah. it was on. I don't know. Okay, anyways, I just wanted to throw that in. <laughs> Let's get back to Yinchi. This is basically during the time of the Ming Dynasty, and this is when silver became a very popular thing to trade. Players are basically going to represent clans developing parts of China in the late, like I said, Ming period. And it's the last 200 kilometers of the Yangtze River before it reaches the China Sea. So players are basically planting crops. This sounds up Jessica's alley right here. Sell goods <laughs> to rural or urban markets and develop raw materials and then build and upgrade factories. And then, of course, sell their goods to ships that are waiting in the port. I mean, this sounds perfectly up my alley. Um, this yep. is everything that I love. <laughs> it's got a couple of really interesting game mechanisms where you have the colored personal components, your own, uh, versus kind of the publicly available components. You know, I don't want to go into everything right here, but it's some just some really interesting things there. And then also we have like the defined goods and the raw materials. And you'll use a set of action cards where you'll have six actions, but where you actually you can gain help from these action cards, but then there's also ones that you can take without the action cards, uh, just depending on the amount of workers that you use and then groups uh, that you can do to like do uh, fortune actions. Really interesting. Uh, if you're, if you're more interested in a game like this, definitely go check it out and read all about it. The rules are even up on BGG's website. So you can read all the rules. It looks like a beautiful Euro game of trading in the Mediterranean, except for it's in China, right up my alley. And I'll I'll second this too because Uli Blinneman for Spielwerk seems to make great game decisions as far as what he chooses to publish. This last year he did Captains of the Gulf, which seems to be the really hot thing, although it hasn't come to the states yet. I, I hear that there's possibly someone in line to publish it. Hopefully, but hopefully we'll Capstone. Be able to, we hope so. Come on, Capstone. Let's come do on, that. Clay. Let's let's get on that because we need that game and yes. we can't get it. All right. <laughs> so so that that's one. And then of course La Granja, uh, once upon a time, was published by Spielworks as well. So. Yeah. 
Another one of our favorites here. So there you go. I think that this could be up our listeners' alley. So check into it. Yep. Um, you know, now, it, it's going to cost you a, l- a little bit of a chunk of a change. Um, it's it's $95 to pick it up. But, you know, sometimes for those Spielworks games, that's worth it. Um, as Richie just told me earlier when I was saying, yeah, but it's $95, he's, he points out about, uh, I don't know, four games on my sell shelf that he's like, yeah, you just didn't have to buy those four crappy games and you'd have been able to buy it. <laughs> That's a good call. So, <laughs> And so, if I would have known Gentis would have taken this long to get, I would have just bought the Spielworks. Yeah, there you go. So, so, yeah. And you don't know. There may not be somebody else who picks it up. So this may be your only opportunity to get it. Oh. True. And uh, we should try, probably try to get a hold of Uli and see if, like, maybe we can become uh, playtesters for some of these games for him. <laughs> is, that, is there a job sure that we he, could... Yeah, I'm sure yeah. he was. He's yeah. like, gosh, if uh, I could really get Clef to playtest this game for me, then I would really feel secure about putting it hey, out. Hey, <laughs> if he wants a Euro game tester, I am there for him, all right? <laughs> I actually found his, I don't know if you, you listened to the uh, the interview that uh, Ben Maddox did uh the five games for doomsday episode. It was really good. I was, I was really, uh, it was a good episode. It was interesting to hear. And it was kind of interesting how Uli played so many war games in his early time. He still likes them. Yeah, exactly. He still Yet, plays them. I would have thought for sure he was just a big Euro game type of player, but that's not the case. So interesting. So definitely go listen to that. That's a great podcast, by the way, to listen to uh, five games for doomsday. So, yeah. So anyways, uh, if you're interested Quickly go, because like I said, it's only a thousand copy print runs, so definitely get in on that uh, quickly, and yeah, check it out. So Richie, you have an email for us from your mailbag? Yeah, so we got an email from Carl in Connecticut, and it reads, I'm in multiple different game groups. Often one of the players that regularly joins the group isn't used to the challenge of the more strategic or complex games we like to play. This person often has to take a long time to absorb the rules and game decisions. They seem to feel uncomfortable and the rest of the group seems to be frustrated. I don't want to drive this person away, but I'm not sure what the answer is. Any thoughts? Well, that's that is an issue. I mean, that's definitely why I have multiple game groups myself just because there are certain games I would not want to teach <laughs> to certain players but Chad what do you uh what do you think Carl should do well my first question is uh, to put it back at you I mean you just said that's why I have multiple game groups so let's assume right let's assume that Carl he's he says he's in multiple different game groups but I'm going to assume that inviting this person to a different game group is not an option so if that's not an option what is what is the next best thing to do and that's difficult. It is. It is difficult. Do you do you know? I guess I would try to find out if there are certain mechanisms that are easier for this player to digest than others. So, for example, if my family that is not a bunch of heavy, complex gamers, right? My son, because I played with him from an early age, he can grasp a deck builder. So maybe, you know, can you play games that have a little bit of an element of deck building in them, which give the player some ease and some concepts to grasp onto can you find sort of those common grounds uh, that's that's one answer I, I don't know if i have a good answer clef what do you what do you think about this 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 is tough um we all like to invite people and want to bring new people into the hobby and we all like to you know at least for me i i love playing with new and different people and that can be tough you know normally i would say well maybe if it was somebody new you know well then you do more gateway 
type of games. But if this is somebody who already plays a lot and just really can't get into maybe more of the complex type of games or strategic games, and obviously, and, and I don't, you know, what if you're only playing in one game group a week and you have this person that's, that's there? And so then... What are you stuck with playing games that are, you know, more gateway-ish? Well, that's not really fair to you, but then it's not really fair to try to expect this other person to try to play more strategic games. Carl, this is tough. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, as Chad said, I mean, you could try to play things, but then what if you want to play the newest Feld game and that's just going to be at a loss for this person and then you don't want to exclude them? yet you still don't feel like you're getting necessarily the full game out of it because maybe you're having to continually trying to help them while playing the game. It's boy, that's a rock and a hard place. I mean, in my in in situations where I've been in with this before, I've kind of, you know, there there have been people that I know that certain games won't work well with, and when that sort of happens, I I still want to game with that person, so I'll I'll say yeah, get come over, you know, come over and we'll play, you know, such and such game, which may be a different game, and then we'll both have a great time. Well, it'll be you know hopefully a game that we both really like, and you know that sort of thing. But I other than you know trying to find a different time to play those kind of games with that gamer, I I don't know, I, Richie, what did, what do you think about this? Well, like we said, it's it's a tough situation because I don't even know like with Jessica I mean she's a gamer but she's not obsessed you know like we are what we're obsessed with <laughs> yeah. games what I beg to differ <laughs> and oh. my tastes have definitely changed over the past few years and she's not coming along fully for that ride right so there are certain games that I just cannot play with her because she doesn't want to learn them and I I get it so when she gets home from work she doesn't want to digest a full you know Lacerda game makes sense I get it I mean maybe try because I know I've seen like YouTube channels where people are putting out a video for their group to watch and it, and it's tougher with these more complex games there's not as many gaming channels I mean gaming rules if you're you know look out there for some type of instructional video that maybe they can watch before they show up I mean they can just get a little bit of that rules digest it beforehand maybe i don't know if that would work because i know sometimes you know even watching the videos it doesn't make sense after you watch it a couple times but that would be my one suggestion that i think maybe could help get them over that hurdle of learning a, a more complex game yeah that's not a bad suggestion I, yeah. I could see that being helpful yeah i mean that may be the case or i guess maybe the only other thing maybe i could think of is try to get some more people into that gaming night where you have that maybe you play the first game with this person and you know you know you're going to play a lighter type of affair and then maybe you know the next game you know you're kind of like oh hey i want to kind of play this heavier game you know type of thing and then other people you know then they they can go over and play with that lighter group or something uh, maybe that might be a suggestion and that's not a bad that's not a bad idea because this this question you know the way it's written sort of gives you the idea that this person who's playing this game yeah. feels a little bit uncomfortable too so hopefully if yes if you can sort of recruit more gamers that like the that type of less complex game because i mean we all get it just because we like those complex games doesn't doesn't mean that we don't understand why people wouldn't want to or have a hard time with or any of that kind of stuff and we really want everybody to feel welcome so yeah i, I think that that might be a good solution too. try to recruit people that are more of the same mind about that kind of a game and hopefully get them to together and, and play some of those now that being said, and I don't, you know, I don't know this situation, but I don't know if this person who they're talking about, if they pull out, say, you know, hey, um, we're going to play Underwater Cities or the or Forum Trajanum, you know, 
if this person's saying, oh, I want to play that, and then they still have a struggle playing it, because then, once again, that's really tough, because I'm never going to tell somebody, no, you can't play a game. No, certainly not. God, I don't know. Carl, I don't know if we've helped you here or just made it worse. <laughs> so, so basically, get more gamers in your group, so yeah. maybe you can split off. Yeah, so at least maybe you don't have to play every yep. game or something. And then, I don't know. Yep. I mean, that's what Chad had to do because, boy, he's never going to play Antiquity with me again because I am so bad at that game. He's like, yeah, i got to get somebody to actually. That's not true. All right. No, but in all seriousness, Carl, I hope that at least gave you a, a, a little bit of help. Uh, Richie, if other people want to write in and have us try to answer some of these tough questions or easy ones, hopefully. Where can they get a hold of us? Uh, you can shoot the emails over to punchboardparadise at gmail.com. By the way, that's a good time to remind you of our contest. All entries for our ongoing contest must be in by March 5th. So if you have still held off on getting us an iTunes review to get those sweet interlocking meeple trays from 3D Bit Space, please send us some review please send us an email with your with your review so we know who you are and have your contact information and what your basically your iTunes username is so we so we have that and again i will say if you've already given us a review in the past just send us an email to punchboardparadise at gmail with that username so we know it's you and can contact you and again you will be entered to to win cuz we we like these iTunes reviews in fact i i've read some there are already some in there actually some my favorite one here's my favorite one these guys are not as annoying as other board games <laughs> podcasts I was about to say that was my favorite one I read today. I'll tell you that. <laughs> so uh, I, <laughs> I think that is absolutely whoever that is. I you're a cool person. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> uh, not as bad as those other not guys. Punchboard paradise. Other guys. So uh, how many anyway. podcasts do you listen to if you find so many of those? <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of funny. Better than one. We're at least better, better than. All right. Good, I don't know. I have one. to check that username. It could be my mom. Uh, so, <laughs> so please send us any of those reviews. Uh, send us your username, and you will be entered by March fifth. That's the contest for those sweet bits in the Meeple Bit trays from 3D Bit Space. All right. Well, guess what? I got a. I got. We got a bonus review this episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. No, actually, we're, uh, we got Keyflow as our review. Chad, tell us all about it. Keyflow is a card drafting worker placement game for two to six players. It plays in about 60 to 90 minutes, and it's by Sebastian Bleasdale, Richard Breeze, and Ian Vincent from R&D Games and Hook Games. Keyflow is... It's split up into four rounds, like the seasons of the year, with each player getting a handful of cards to draft, and then they're laying them down in their tableaus. Now, because it's a village the players are building, these cards have to all be oriented in certain ways so that the roads are connected and the waterways are together. And these cards that are drafted are buildings or boats or pastures, which can provide the players with worker placement spots, point scoring opportunities, or even resources, respectively. And then the players may also be drafting actual meeple worker cards that they are going to be able to place 
on their own or their neighbor's buildings. Depending on what the cards allow, there are arrows for those directions. And then these spots may let the players create or upgrade their resources and the buildings. Each building is only allowed to be visited three times by an increasing number of workers, starting with one. Then the buildings can be upgraded with the resources so as to increase the abilities or the end game points. But the resources have to be transported to that particular card via worker placement, sort of a pickup and deliver mechanism on certain cards that are available. At the end of the fourth season, which is winter, scores are tallied up from upgraded buildings, from resources, point scoring cards, etc. And the player with the most points wins the game. And that is Keyflow. There was no cool voice to do the thing this time. What's I'm going so on? I'm so sorry. I got, I got, no, I sat and looked at that thing and I thought, are these, are, are these the Brit, you know, British people coming to America? Am like I supposed to do it? Yeah, on the Mayflower? Because this is from Keyflower. I don't know. I don't, I have no idea what to do with this. And if you, you know, if you have an idea about how I really missed the boat, literally or figuratively, I apologize. So, so our, our next review is Forum Trajanum. We yeah. need to have people on the Slack or email it in tell what kind of voice should Chad use nice to and dry Good. Re- nice dry voice <laughs> but I was drinking a lot of water over and Ete over Brutus <laughs> I could do I could do some Latin yeah, yeah so maybe a little bit of Shakespeare oh boy Julius this Caesar. could be a new thing the poll of what voice should Chad oh, do gosh, this is going to be awful this is going to be like that story I told where my Irish accent was Russian <laughs> alright well let's try to move on to our our parts of the review arts and components richie you shallow person you tell us about the arts and components of this game <laughs> uh, they're serviceable i mean it's it's just if you've played any other key series game it's the same art it's the same components really <laughs> as yeah. well so uh they're fine I, there's nothing wrong with them they i will say for you know because we just talked about forum trade johnum trade trade whatever it's called <laughs> At least, you know, this is boring art. It's just a farming and whatnot, but at least it's bright. It's colorful, you know, so there's that. Whereas, you know, like form, it's you know, very dull. Or even Carpe Diem, it's very dull Okay, we are reviewing Keyflow right now. <laughs> right. We'll get to those games. <laughs> so it's fine. It's fine. The card stock is actually really good, which is important in this game. Very what about true. You, Bluff? Uh, serviceable. Um, it's exactly what you said. If you have played key anything it looks about the same i agree that the cardstock is very nice which is important because you are shuffling and moving those things and i don't feel like the cards are going to get worn out real quick or anything like that otherwise you know the little bits and pieces that you use for like the wood and the stone and stuff are just little bitty wooden you know they don't have anything cool or anything like that uh even the meeple the extra little meeple tokens are just little cardboard things but you don't want a big production out of this game that's not what this game is is looking for so i i think it's fine and works for me and you know the piggies are cute and little cows on there i mean you know <laughs> the card stock is definitely the most important feature of the game and the most important feature for durable gameplay which you need so i would i would echo all that i will say and this is true of any key series and it hasn't affected my affinity for some of the other series but i don't really care for the art it's just not my bag it's okay i get what it's trying for it's just for me it it's not it's not to my taste i will say that the iconography is pretty pretty clear you know i i think that for the most part the iconography is pretty consistent and easy to follow but of all of us i i looked back through it when i when i borrowed the game to play it some more on my own but you are the one who originally taught it to us clef what did you think of the rule book for this which is important Eeks a mama. Um, (laughs) It's just like any key game. It's not the best rule book. 
It is not laid out the best. It's, I mean, it's a little bit easier to understand because I have played other key games. And so I, you know, some, some of the rules made sense to me. Like, I don't need to understand what transportation means because I know that mechanism. Um, so that's helpful. The first time I played it, I had read the rules a few times. And then when it actually came to time to teach it, it had been maybe a week or so since I'd read the rules. And I tried to real quick, tried to refresh myself to teach it that day. And that was a little rough. And I missed a couple of minor things like how you use those little meeple tokens. I, mm. I, I didn't quite get that rule right. And then I totally biffed the fact that I thought you played with one winter card and then just the meeples and didn't realize you shuffled all the rest of those back in there. So it made it for a little bit of a rough first game. Uh, you know, afterwards, I was able to go back through the rule book and figure out what I did wrong, though. It wasn't like it was like unbelievably tough. But if you are looking for a, a good, easy rule book, uh, you're not going to get it. Well, and to be to be fair, you taught that right out of the box pretty fresh. So we don't often do that. We usually read the rules first and kind of set it up first often, I would say, at least half the time. And th this one, you kind of opened up the box. I had read the rules, but not enough where I had, like, tried to play it a little bit and try to work, you know, especially if I'm going to teach it to a bunch of people who have never played it. I like to have a really good idea of how to play it, and I did not. So it was, it was a little tough, but yeah. I will say looking through it, it was definitely much better than something like Keeper or even Keyflower. I think maybe that had to do with the less complex nature of the game, but I, I think it could still stand to do a bit of refining. Yeah, I mean, just even like, and I don't, I, I don't want to go crazy in it, but yeah, I think they could have just made it easier, like a little bit more bullety point, you know, like... uh yeah, I can't even, I don't even know what game I would say, but I will say it is better than the Keyflower rule book, but that, as you just said, it's a less complex game. And so, boy, Keyflower, if you talk about a tough rule book, even when you know the game, trying to find a rule, it's, it's tough to find yeah. in there. Just, I mean, everyone should, uh, Robinsberger and Queen games, they, they lay out their book perfect and they give you nice bullet points so you can easily go back and find the game. Oh, yeah, here's I, the minutia on this side of the, the page, and then on the right side is the highlighted points that right. if you're getting the box out again from six months later, you can quickly remind yourself what the rules absolutely. are. That's great. I, absolutely, yeah. I, I just, uh, what did I just play the other day? Well, Carpe Diem I was playing, and, and still just little quick things, and it's so easy just to go look on the side, right? Right there and boom there's a little bullet points and it's real easy to pick those things up so yeah but anyways so that's that's my thought what about the gameplay it's solid i it it is very reminiscent of Keyflower as far as the actions that you're doing obviously you're drafting instead of doing the bidding and you know the that auction uh but it's i mean it's quick it's snappy what's the i mean the first time we played it was full six no uh, was it, it five it was five or six i can't remember exactly but it was close to the full yeah and it's fast i mean it's it's super fast i think the box says 60 to 90 minutes and i mean even at full player count i can't see you getting anywhere close to 90 minutes well especially if, if everybody knows what they're doing right i mean you probably literally knock that thing out in 45 minutes i don't even see a i don't even see a 60 minute right and i mean in this it's a you know obviously it's way different from Keyflower in the sense that uh, it's the drafting game but you still have that interaction with the other players but obviously in this you're just looking at your right and your left uh so that also makes it a little bit quicker because you you know if there's other people across the table it doesn't matter what they have because you can't get to their village right. so that's nice as far as keeping the gameplay snappy and uh, i mean sometimes it can feel a little solitaire-ish if the people like the last game we played your village was terrible clef for me for what i was doing and chad had one building i was interested in but it didn't really it did not 
play well into what I was doing. You know, once maybe once I, I had my that. own engine going, I didn't need to look at what you guys were doing. Well, maybe I did that on purpose so you couldn't use any of my stuff. I, yeah, I was and playing bad just to... You are, <laughs> you are the master of player interaction, so I bet, I bet that was it. Oh, boy. All right. uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it feels like, I mean, once you get your own engine going, you may not need your neighbors. And then at that point, it's a solitaire game. Okay. It but it doesn't go, it always could, happen. It, it could go either happen. way. Yeah, yeah, there are certainly times where you're kind of messing around and trying to get other people's buildings. One thing I will say about this design versus Keyflower is I don't have a problem with it. I like Keyflower, but you could argue having those tiles way across the table on people's on people's things in their village is really hard to see and can be kind of annoying and go, what is that over there? I can't even, what is that? I can't read that. What's that building that I want to go to? And the cards with the white background are much clearer, easier to read across the table. You can see a little bit better of what's, what's going on and what, what's possible. And I think that is a definite positive of the gameplay and the design of Keyflow. I can't remember in Keyflower, are you only allowed to use the neighbors on the left and the right villages or can you use any villages? I believe you can go anywhere. I it, I don't I can't remember the last time I played it. It's been a while yeah, since I played people, it, but yeah, you know, I believe I, you can go anywhere. I usually play it like at two or three for that game. But um, obviously, this game is going to have some comparisons to Keyflower because that's the kind of the granddaddy of them all. You know, the the big one. Um, and it's similar in the fact that you're doing all the same actions, like Richie said, but you don't have that auction. It's simply a drafting game. So in terms of that, it's actually more similar to a a classic game in, in Seven Wonders, where you're you're kind of paying attention to what your neighbors are doing and really quite honestly nobody else really makes that big of a difference but you're doing a drafting thing and kind of building up your own little village area and yet you can go over and borrow you know kind of almost get resources from your opponents if they've got a good resource kind of thing going which I kind of like I mean I think that's kind of a neat thing you don't have to have the best village because you can go and steal from other people but now if you go and use other people's buildings you're giving them those meeple cards which then can score them points at the end of the game depending on what extra tiles they get so there's good to be able to get those things that you didn't have to build up but then it's bad that you have to give them to other people so i think they did a really neat job in in using that mechanism and this isn't any different from Keyflower, but one of the things I like in games is when you give me a choice about what I get to score at the end of the game and how I get to score it. Keyflower does this as well, but just having those winter cards and having a handful to start with and looking through and going, ooh, yeah, I think I might be able to do that. Maybe I can do that. You know, and nobody else knows what you've got and and kind of doing that. And then, of course, having to pick one when it gets to be winter and saying, oh, that's too bad because I could do this and this too. But that has to get shuffled back in and then dealt around the table. So those are nice things that I think the keys key flower and key flow do and are enjoyable in this game and i probably just play bad but usually i just look at my winter cards when we get to winter and go oh good i've been doing this <laughs> yeah you well, should definitely look at those before you have like what five or six you get a lot or of something them. you get a yeah. lot of them and it's not like i mean i'll be quite honest with you you could ignore them and still get to the last round and probably one of them is doing something good for you and then you're gonna have to worry about drafting all the rest of them anyways yes but you could be working towards something that could be a, a really big engine i mean there there's like some that you know my, my i played with my son the other day and he had one that for every saw he had he'd get four points for well he i mean just starting at the beginning of the game he had this machine where he could grab those those uh tool tiles and he was just grabbing saws like crazy i mean he scored a ton of points on right. that yeah. so uh, you definitely need to look at that well finn's probably a better player at this game <laughs> oh, than yeah. i am yeah. <laughs> actually he just called that he said he wants to play you in this yeah. game so. <laughs> 
No, I, I get what you're saying. And I'm not, I'm being a little, you know, crazy when I say I don't look at them at all. But I usually will look at them to begin the game off with. And then I usually don't rem- think about looking at them again until the winter time. I don't like look at them every round or something. And br- if I played this more strategically, if I fought, I just don't think I feel like that that's that type of game. You know, I'm just kind of like, hey, I'm doing my village, you know, it's going along. Oh, yeah. OK, I remember now I need to get a bunch of pigs on my cards or something like that. So I just don't like really like I could see somebody who's maybe really AP-ish or whatever, like really sitting there every round thinking, okay, well, I'm doing this or I got to do this or I wonder if this card would come back to me and looking at your opponents or something. I don't think that this is going to be that type of game. It's not like it's not like Great Western Trail where I'm like really in tune on what everybody is doing. That's all I have to say well, about that. I mean, that explains yeah. why you came in third place last time we played. But <laughs> the... I would agree. <laughs> I, I don't probably take as much time to be strategic about it. I do like that they have the rule in there where you cannot look at your storage cards after every season you take all of your cards you put it underneath the storage card and i do like that that's the only time you can look at it is at the end of the season because i could see it where someone who's getting ap about it is constantly looking at that pile every time they go to draft something and that would really slow down this game what do you think richie about because this this main mechanism of this game in particular is drafting does this do drafting better than other games a la seven wonders so to speak how do you feel this sits with other drafting games i think it's solid i i like this better than seven wonders i may even consider it like a next step drafting games because there's a lot that you got to handle as far as your different actions but i think it's solid um you know just like in Keyflower, you don't necessarily you don't need every card in there so even when you see a card that would be great for you as long as you know one of the people next to you drafts it you might be able to get to use it i mean this is a little less harsh because it has that rule where if two people go to use a building at the same time they they both get to do it i know that there's a variant where you can play where you use the numbers as, as far as how that resolves so i mean it's it's not as mean as like regular key flower but i think it, it does a solid job with the drafting and I, I you know it's, it's a solid game overall i would say I, I think adding the worker placement part to the the drafting makes it interesting that's just i guess a way of making it more interactive around the table but yeah i i, I can see what you're saying there now with just continue to talk about strategy because obviously i'm so good at the strategy of this game <laughs> at least what do you guys think of this i feel like those buildings where you have to try to move your resources to them to get the points i don't know if those are as good as the ones where you just get points at the end of the the game no matter where your stuff is because i the other day i played a game of it and i was playing a six-player game of it and i had that stone yard or i think yeah stone yard i think it was and for every two resources that you got in there you got five points and i tell you i loaded that thing up but i had to use a hundred a lot of turns on just doing the transporting and moving the stuff down there as opposed to getting other cards that would just benefit me in other ways and i think i came in well probably last in the game even since i mean i was paying attention but like <laughs> i'm just saying do you guys feel that that way that those cards are maybe not the best ones compared to the others i, I think they they will supplement your end game score well but I, you do need to pay attention to your winter card well and the other thing with that is i think i don't know if you had this but that has to be coupled with that one or two cards that have like the seven or the nine transport where you can move a whole bunch of stuff at once so you just build it up on a card hopefully close by and then then pile it in there i don't even think they have ones that high though i think it's like 
five, I think, is the highest, or maybe six. And that even comes like later in the season. So it's hard to, I mean, like I think five was the one I had, and but I was having to use my neighbors too, just to be able to keep transporting those down there. And so I feel like I wasn't able to take other cards because I had to keep trying to take meeples to try to activate those to try to get them in there. Okay. Well, I know the last time that we played and we played with Josh, he kept just taking the scoring cards. He ended up in second place just because he was like, he, he felt like he was doing something wrong because he kept getting past scoring winter cards. And he was like, I'm just going to keep taking these. I don't know. You guys keep passing these. Which he was, he was to the side of Clef, actually. He was, he was sitting right there. I just kept taking things to put stuff in my stone yard. <laughs> So what about player count? I've, I mean, I've played this. I don't know if I've played it at three, but I've played it at two, four, five, and six. I like the the only thing that changes is if you play a two-player game, then in order to use your uh, the other person's village, you can basically use to the left of their home tile or to the right of it, and that depends on the arrow. Um, and you, I mean, if you really wanted to, you can be a jerk and just build to one side so that that's their only option is to go right. to that side. Which which I have. You know, when I played my <laughs> wife, that's I realized that and started you know like i might have a building that wasn't all that good maybe go to one side but otherwise i just kept trying to build to one other side so then those other meeples were useless if no, that, i mean that could around. hurt you as well if you have you know if you need to transport something that's now all the way down at the, the other end but True. but you know you could do that yeah, yeah. well I, I, chad you've played it now with at two with right i played it at two three four and five okay. i believe i've gotten to play it at everything except six basically and usually this kind of a game, the way it works with your neighbor, my favorite is three because you're always doing something back and forth. Like, And I will even say that it's been a really long time since I played, but Seven Wonders, if I was going to play that game, three was the best for me. But I even feel like when you're playing three at Seven Wonders, you're more consistently messing back and forth with each other in that game with either war, uh, fighting, whatever you want to call it, that military or the resources that somebody may have. They you are in this game because like Richie said you can be in a three player game you can be like well I don't really care what you're doing because it doesn't help so there is that aspect but I feel like three is a nice tight experience the time moves really quick and you're still you three are, are the ones that have the potential to affect each other so three is kind of my favorite right I, well I mean I personally think they did a really nice job in the player count because I've played it at six and I like the fact that you can play a large group still get the game done in a reasonable amount of time and you're just paying attention to just your your neighbors and so that, that which is fine but I, I like it at two which surprised me I wasn't I didn't think I necessarily would like it at two but I like how that kind of interaction and how you can try to work against those meeples with the arrows going one way or the other and and you kind of work through that and you know I kind of like the fact that sometimes you know I'm oh well I might be able to give this card up because it's a really good chance I'll get it back where when you're playing six players I mean don't even think about what else is in your hand because you know chances are very unlikely you're going to get back a card that you really wanted or anything so but I, I think that's good where seven wonders two player no doesn't work Keith Keith Lowe two player I like it a lot and I'd almost say might be my preferred player count for it Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. So variability and replayability, we didn't really talk about, but Richie, you want to touch on that? I would say it's solid. You you have a, a good mix of cards that get removed every time you play, uh, especially winter. There's a huge deck for that that you're going to get mixed in, which will change you know the end game goals that or end game scoring that you're going for. Uh, so overall, I would say it's solid. I've, I have not gotten bored with it yet, and like I said, it, it plays so quick that it's you know I, I don't know how quickly I would ever get bored of it. It's a it's a solid kind of filler drafting 
Euro game. I would echo everything. I, I don't. I I think that if you played this enough, I think you'd probably find some fairly good. Like this card is always going to be a first pick draft because it's it does such and such or or this. But I mean the seven to eight games that I've played of this, I feel like I've tried different things every time, and it's not like my opponents have always done this thing or anything like that. Um, so. I certainly feel like that's variability to me. And I, I still feel like there are multiple games more that I would play of this game before I'd be like, you know, okay, I'm ready to move on. And Keyflower itself has proven that this kind of a game is really easy to expand upon. So if they did do expansion for the game, especially this one, because it's just cards. Yeah, you just a deck need of cards. cards. Now, the yeah. one, my one complaint for this game is that it feels like it's a little bit, just a teensy bit more expensive than it needs to be when you figure it's just cards. Now, I know why this is. It's because the cards are a little bit thinner. They're not standard, which means that they have to be sort of a special cut. Because if you did have regular cards, it would make everybody's tableau a bit bigger. So I, I get it. It just, your my initial reaction to the, to the MSRP is... Oh, that seems a little bit high for a card drafting game. But again, it's that non-standard card because you can't stack them like you can in Seven Wonders. You need to be able to see the whole thing. They had to make skinnier cards. But yeah, easily expandable with more cards. Yeah, absolutely. Lastly, before we get to our overall score... I'd like to talk just for a quick second. We've kind of been doing it overall, but just for a quick second about key flow versus key flower. Now we know that it's short, it's shorter. Key flow is a shorter game. We know that it's a draft drafting game versus worker placement, pick up to deliver, which there is a little bit of it in this, but auction, which is the big thing that's missing from key flower. So Clef, do you want to expound upon this? I will still say, and I, I know Richie is definitely in the opposite opinion of this. Key flower is still going to be my favorite. I love that auction. I think it's a really cool auction. I love kind of planning and trying to get, you know, the meeples that you want. And okay, I don't think they have as many red ones, you know, the, the whole nine yards. I love that part. But I will also say this, that I'm not going to play Keyflower six player and I will play this six player. So there's, you know, it has, Keyflow has that advantage going for it. And I still feel like I definitely get the, the mechanisms of the, you know, the travel and the transport and the building up and upgrading. I get all that from Keyflow that I get from Keyflower. But the auction in Keyflower is still going to put this above for me. I think I'm more of an auction guy than I am a drafting, card drafting guy. So I think that's probably why. I think there's still room for, for me. Both of those games are remaining in my collection. Well, Richie, and as far as Keyflow and Keyflower, what do you think about randomness? Do they have the same level of randomness to you, would you say? Well, I mean, just about. And, I, and I've backed off a little bit on the, you know, Keyflower might be leaving my collection. Okay, okay. Type deal. Cause, Good. Because <laughs> <laughs> I do love Keyflower. And, and like Clef said, I'm not going to play. I, Keyflower is a three-player and down game. And that would be three, three people who know how to play the game. Right. I don't want to, you know, play with a new player there because it, it just can bog down. The... One of the things, though, that I really like in Keyflower that you kind of miss out on this is when you go and use a meeple at someone else's building, you don't know if that's going to do anything for them because it's a, you don't know what winter cards they have. Right. I mean, you may know that they, it could be a possibility that's a good thing for them based on the winter cards that you have. But when you go and you, like, let's say you use a green meeple at someone's tile, that's a benefit for them. They're going to now have that green meeple that they can bid with later and possibly lock you out. Or if you send a bunch of yellow and now all of a sudden you don't have yellow, that, you know, that will impact you right away. So you do have to pay attention to that a little bit more as far as, you know... You, you, in the game, you're in saying the game. you have yes. to pay a little bit, yeah. Right, in in, in Keyflower. Right. So, 
Um, I mean, as far as randomness, though, I think they're they're about the same. I don't I don't think it's any more random than Keyflower is or anything like that. No, and I I, th- I think the same thing. The, for example, the the meeples that you kind of get to start with, what color those are in Keyflower versus what cards you're getting to draft, and and your winter tile versus your winter card. Those kind of things seem like the same balance to me. So yeah, I I'd agree there. I do agree with what you're talking about though. Sometimes placing those meeples out on uh out on worker spots and giving your opponent some of those meeples to play can be a really big thing and i definitely will just say in this discussion that i, I like clef miss the auction from this not that i i dislike Keyflow, but i miss the auction from it for sure all right well richie can you give our punchboard paradise listeners our scale before we give a final score yep so on punchboard paradise we rate on a six point scale a one being a game that makes you miserable that you don't want to play again and a six being a game that is a contender for your top 10 of all time i like whenever he he always always does a scale whenever he says a game that makes you miserable he always turns and looks right at <laughs> this is true the only one that's given a one on this show so that's that's something that's, yeah hey, i'm keeping it real that's, You're right, that's clef, keeping it real. clef keeping it real well clef keeping it real please give us your your final score for Keyflow. okay well just real quick thoughts here before i give my rating i this is a good game all right i think that if you like drafting games definitely get it if you like Keyflower and, and some of the other key games, it's definitely worth playing. All right. So that's, that's the first thing that I will say. I have enjoyed this at all player accounts. Like I just said, I, I like it because it's a good uh, time game, even with lots of people. But I like it at two player just because it gives me some good strategies and I, I, I like it at two. So overall, I really, really like this game. Now, however, it's not a game that is going to arrive in my top games of all time for sure i mean it's it's good but it's not gonna it's not gonna break into there would this game at the end of the year make my top 10 i don't think so i just from who i am i like a little bit more meteor strategically type of strategically i don't even know what that's a word I, i like a little bit more of the meteor type of games and so I feel like a lot of games are going to kind of bump this down as the year goes on. So I don't think I I can quite get it up to there, but I think this is a solid four for me. It's going to remain in my collection. I'm not looking to get rid of it. I think it can be used in a lot of different situations and I, I like the game. So solid four. Richie Keyflow. What do you give it? It's tough because I I like Keyflower a lot, but the last time I played Keyflower, the you know the actual physical game because I do play it on Board Game Arena quite a bit. But the last time I played the physical game was with you guys, which was like two years ago. Did I win? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Actually, no, Chad won. Yes, it was me. <laughs> what? It was. All right, <laughs> Richie edited that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and this gives me everything, all the feels that I need out of Keyflower. That's why when you know I, we first played this a couple of times, it was like I don't, I don't know if I need to keep Keyflower around because <laughs> it's going to get to the table more. That this is your quote by the on the box, by the way. R- Richie <laughs> says this game gives me all the feels. All the feels. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I miss out on the auction, but I I have a lot of auction games. We have so many auction games that we can play. Uh, it's a solid game. I don't know. It, at the end of the day, will it, would it be in my top 10 for the year? It definitely wouldn't be in my top 10 of all time. So I do have to come in at a four. It could possibly bump up to a five, I think, if they support this. But I don't know. Have they really supported any other key game outside of Keyflower? No, but 
with I mean, this, I mean, if they treat it like keep flour, I, I think uh, to be quite honest, if it if it continues to do well here in the states, I think they'll I think they'll support it right. because I think they'll treat it just like keep flour. Yeah, so I I think I could give give it a four now and probably a little bit higher than Clef. If they support this one, I could see it going up to a five because then I could see it being one of the better games of the year. All right. Well, when I saw this game come out, I said, "Yippee, a new key game! I'm I'm in. Let's see it." And then I found out a little bit more about it, and I found out the auction was missing. And I was predisposed to dislike it. And I thought, there's no way. I'm not, I don't like this game anymore. Don't take my auction out of my key flower. It's not going to give you the feels that you want? Yeah, not the Richie feels. <laughs> so so I, I, I was kind of on a roller coaster with this one. I was, I was kind of predisposed to not liking it, made up my mind, and then I played it. And I thought, oh, I kind of like this. It's a little bit, it's breezy and quick and kind of fun. And I get to, I get to build my engine and do the secret scoring that I like and that sort of a thing. And then I played it a little bit more and I kind of missed my auction. And I was sad about not having an auction. Then it kind of, it dipped back down for me. Does, does he have a little tear in his eye? <laughs> I do. I do. I, I miss that auction. I I really, I like that part. Now, I will say that I'm starting to figure out that I just, card drafting is not, I don't know, for whatever reason. Now, when cards are out on the table sort of thing, but the pick and pass card drafting, if it doesn't have other particular mechanisms bolted onto it, I think I might not be as interested. Anyway, with this, for whatever reason, I'd much rather have my auction. Do I think that these can sit side by side for me personally? No, I don't. I kind of feel like key flow to me is like a piece of tofu. I'm saying this because I've eaten a lot because my wife is (laughs) vegan now, but key flow is like a piece of tofu. I know that I ate something. I digested it pretty quickly, but there really wasn't much taste there for me. So, <laughs> so, so key flour is like a nice sandwich at the melt. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> heck yeah! I like that beefy auction melt. So, so I, I'm just for me personally, I'm gonna miss my auction there. Now, if you guys say you want to play it, sure. Yeah, because it doesn't take very long. I'll definitely play it. Bust it out. Let's play it. Then let's play something else. But it's because of that. It's a three. And I honestly think unless you guys play it a lot or want to bring it out a lot, I'm going to totally forget about it in a year. So I'm, I'm giving it a three. Hmm. So we have a four from Clef, a four from Richie, and a three from me. I'm, I'm curious, and I don't, I, I'm not going to go back and do the research, but if somebody else does, I wonder if this is the first time that me and you gave a rating both higher than what Chad gave <laughs> Chad, a game. We could probably easily do that research, but... Well, I, I, I'm just saying I'm not doing it, but I'm no, just, no, no. <laughs> I think this might be a first. I think you might be right. I, I, yeah. Be okay. All right. All right. Well, well that's we Key Flow from R&D Games and Huck Games. I've got a new segment that I would like to introduce, and I'm always kind of curious. Uh, sometimes we always have our top games. But we have a wonderful tool that we all use, and that's the BGG, and they have their top 100 games. And I always find it curious what other people think of the what games are in that top 100. So I thought it'd be kind of fun if we just kind of listed off, and I, I think we'll do this maybe just like 10 at a time. So we'll start at 100 and do the 100 through 91 games that are on the top 100 of, of the uh, BGG list. And we'll just kind of say, you know, how many have we played is there one in that top ten or that that ten section that we would like to play, and then maybe what we our favorite out of those ten is? You know, I mean, 
I don't know, something new that, you know, we'll give a try to and, you know, people can tell us whether they think it's a good idea or not, if they like it. Now, granted, if we start it, we're probably going to finish it, so everybody's going to have to suffer, but... Uh, <laughs> Buckle in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's uh, let's just start it off with number 100. Oh, man, this game is definitely one of my favorites. Chaos <laughs> in the Old World. Uh, who's that by, Chad? It's by Eric Lang. So oh, that's yeah, how good I old know, Eric Lang, yeah. But it's not one of your favorites. Richie, uh, have you played this? This is the, this I, is the it, only game that I would expect Richie of all of us to right. play. It. And I have played it, it okay. a long time ago, and I, don't, I do not remember much about it except for I know the board is, it's like a human skin because you're, you're the like evil gods, and it's like an area control game and whatnot, but the board is just human skin like pinned out as a map so right up your alley okay. <laughs> I, am, I am ready to play Leave this one. That one right out on the coffee table but yeah it's a area control game i only played it once a long time ago and it's it's forgettable and does it's, does blood rage borrow some stuff from this i guess you don't I, remember much about it but you know i think i think Ashgard or some oh, other okay. eric lane game i think there are some things in this that made it over to blood rage but I think there's another, he had another game that he kind of mainly take took for uh, mm. Blood Rage. All right. Well, I'm pretty sure this would be a pass. I, mean, I wouldn't want to play it. Eric Lang doesn't really design games for me, and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I will say that I, I do play and still own Godfather, and I have a good time with that, though it doesn't come out very often. But, you know, not not usually an Eric, Eric Lang design fan. Right. And that's okay. Just, yeah, just not our, not our cup of tea, you know, for Chad and I, not our cup of tea. And I am okay. surprised you like Godfather, though. I think it's more the theme, though, right? Uh, even though the theme's not really strong, I guess I like the worker placement, and I, I know, like but you. You like the excuse to put on the Italian accent and dress <laughs> yeah. up in oh, a gangster. Boy. We should, we should, we should review that. That'd be a great voice if we have Chattanooga. I don't know. I, I guess I like how the interaction happens and how that fits into the theme. You know, like how right, right. all the guys go in the river and stuff. That's kind of fun. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on to game uh, ninety-nine, which. <laughs> Is, uh, well, I'm pretty sure all three of us are going to be yes and yes for this, and that's Grand Austria Hotel. Uh, that's in my top 10 of all time, so that's obviously a game that I love. Um, Virginio Gili and Simone Luciani. Yeah, uh, obviously one of my top designers of all time. I just can't say enough. It's a great game. By the way, did you He's see fun. that Virginio Gili and, uh, oh, the other designer, Flaminio Brasini, uh, just have a new game that, that is coming out this yes, year soon. Yes, yes, I saw that. Nice. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, oh, I mean, I, I, don't even, I don't even care anything more than that's them and <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, Grand Austria Hotel, I think we've all played it and enjoy this game. Yep. Yep, worst part so. is the wooden dice. Just get rid of those. So that's it. <laughs> yeah, whatever. All I right. like, and, and for the record, best played by three people who really know how to play the game. Best played by two. I would play either at two or three. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I would play it at three if the two people knew what they were doing and they were non-AP-ish because you can wait a long time in that game for yeah, your turn that's if that's not the case. The, the thing about that game real quick is just that the combos are so much fun to pull off. You get to do this thing that leads to this thing that leads to that thing and it feels that's what really uh, it releases the endorphins in that oh. game. So And you got, have you seen my beautiful new insert that Ryan did? I know. I'm, I might be purchasing one of those. Uh, yeah, I was should, looking at that too. It is nice. All right, uh, next we have good old Aura Labora from Uva Rosenberg. I mean, I knew who it was, but Chad's been saying all the buyers. <laughs> okay, so. I think he's the only one that, you own this one, right? Yeah, I do. I have I have Aura at Labora, and I I really, I enjoy that. The only the only thing about Aura at Labora, and I haven't played it that many times, but you're it's one of those that once you know the buildings pretty well that are going to come out, 
you're going to have a set strategy. And it's really, I feel like just in the limited play of it that I've had, it's one of those that's going to play really well at two because it's sort of like a back and forth cat and mouse. You know what you want to do. I know what I want to do. Who can get there first? Who can sort of push the other player and push the resource wheel, which is really the the interesting thing that Rosenberg's sort of uh, riffing on in that game. And, and I enjoy it. So yeah. I've played it the one time with you. I guess I just felt like it was kind of, you know, kind of similar to a lot of Rosenberg games. I mean, it just, it didn't, it, it wasn't that I disliked it and I certainly would like to play it some more because I think it was probably better than, you know, some of the other Rosenberg games that I'm, I'm not really a big fan of. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, that's how I feel about it. But yet if I never played it again, I'd be okay. Richie, you played it? No, I have not played that one. Okay. All right. What do we have next here? Uh, a little game. I don't know if anybody's heard of this one. It's called Ticket <laughs> to Ride. And it actually says Ticket to Ride Europe. Europe. Right. Because so. there are different families of this on the on the BGG. Right. But uh, obviously played it. Definitely. This is actually one of the first games. Like when we first got into the hobby, I bought, I went on, you know, I watched the Dice Tower video and I bought like four or five games off of there. And this is probably the first one that got Jessica hooked to playing mm. new games. So I do, I do have a soft spot for Ticket to Ride Europe. Yeah. I mean, I've played it multiple times. I like the stations. I like the fact that you, turn, you know, uh, I'm surprised Richie probably doesn't like this version because you can't really screw somebody like you can. <laughs> we never play with we never play with the stations. Oh, okay, then that <laughs> explains it. <laughs> I never played this. I never played really? Ticket to Ride Europe. Yeah, I never played Yahtzee, and I never played this. Okay. Yeah, the Yahtzee thing is insane. Yeah, I, mean, I can see where you <laughs> missed know. over on this Ticket to Ride. That's, no, I, you know, I I own the base American version. Yeah. And I see, have... I think that that's the worst version. Right. Ticket to Ride U.S. I, I think don't... Switzerland's the best map. I, and I the own most enjoyable Switzerland. Map. Yeah. I own uh, India. I own India. I yeah, own it's Mark on the backside of. Uh, yeah, yeah. USA is pretty much the worst. Yeah, yeah. I think that is the worst one. Yeah, USA sucks. All but right. it's a good <laughs> one to learn on for new gamers. But yeah, I I I still like it. I mm. even like I, I don't own, but I like the UK one with the yeah. I like the UK and one. the Pennsylvania one with the stocks, the tech and the stocks. Those are kind of. Fun. I have not played that one. I'd be interested in that one. Yeah. And uh, by the way, since Chad didn't say it, that's uh, Alan Moon. Very good. (laughs) All right, 96 is Champions of Midgard. I have played this. I also have played it. As have I. We've all played it. I had the one play of it when it first came out. This was before the expansion, and I just didn't care for the the randomness and the guys dying and stuff like that the valhalla expansion apparently fixes this i haven't played it since then but i just didn't have a desire to after that uh a couple of friends that i play with uh jeremy and surge this is one of their favorite games uh they showed it to me pre-expansion they like this is after the expansion already come out but they've said well we'll show you the base game and I was kind of like, yeah, ho-hum. And then the next time they showed and played with the expansion, much, much better. This game, I, I wouldn't even consider those expansions. I would just consider that's the game that you should play. Okay, because I, I bought it. I you know, I like the idea behind it, but I did sell it before they, they even announced the expansions. So I would be interested to go back and, and try it again with the expansions. And this is by Oli Steinus. The next is The Resistance Avalon. Uh, obviously, we have all played this <laughs> yeah. because we've all played this together. Uh, one late night at Pretzcon. <laughs> you want to talk about accents? You can definitely do accents with this game. <laughs> Lots of accents. Bad, bad British accents. Uh, this is a great, especially finish a night off of a con or something, you know, because you doesn't take a lot of thought process and it can be 
awful fun. And even since that's one of those games where everybody thinks I'm bad, no matter what, even if I'm good, it does not matter. They will <laughs> think I am bad. I'm not very good at this game. I'm not. I'm pretty, I guess I'm a pretty obvious liar. At least I can't play with Vince. Vince is like, <laughs> draws me out right away. It's really bad. But I, I think that I like, if I'm going to do a deduction game, like a social deduction game, I want it to be, have a little twist, but not too complicated or it just kind of gets in the way for me. So I, I, I like this one. It'd probably be my choice of social. De- I haven't played, what is it? Don't mess with Cthulhu, which a lot of people seem to like, but this, this is my choice for a social deduction game. I think. Yeah. I would say it's my go-to. And this was another game that was in that box when I first, you know, got into the the hobby and we had a game night where we had like six or seven people over. So I was so happy because I had all these games and we started out with this and that's all they wanted to play. And that's all we played. We played it like nine times in a row and then that was it. That was it. Yeah, I, I had a similar experience with uh, my in-laws up in Minnesota uh, the first time we got this game. And it was just like we just played it and played it and played it and played it and played it. Yeah, so it's, that's, that's for sure. All right. Next, what do we have on the list? We have, I think this is a TV show. I think it's called A Game of Thrones. I'm guessing that's the theme. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not watched this TV show? I've watched like two episodes. Okay. And I just. Richie, I may not talk to you. you. <laughs> I was going to try to get back into it just because. But I think it's just one of those things where, you know, where something gets so popular and you're so far behind and everyone just keeps talking about it. I understand. And then it's like. I, I okay. do not understand. Okay. Go and watch. <laughs> this show is literally one of the best shows ever to be on television. And. You just, I'm sorry, you have to watch it. I'm really into the Ozarks right now, though. I'll have to check that out. That's solid. But it's those are really good books, too, by the way. Okay, so. Oh, but we were talking about board games, yes, right? So, <laughs> so I own this one. I even got the Mother of Dragons expansion. Here's here's my junkiness coming out. I even got the Mother of Dragons expansion. I still haven't played this game yet. <laughs> got but, the expansion. But here's why. Okay. Because whenever I want to play this game, it's really hard to find six players. And if you see anybody, they say, gosh, it really gets crazy and unbalanced if you play with any any player count less than six. This new vassal system in the Mother of Dragons expansion makes it so that there's kind of a bot system that evens things out because you're talking about a map. And so proximity to each other and players next to each other matters in this. And so with this new expansion, it seems like it evens it out. And if you were to play, for example, at four, you're going to get a much more balanced game out of it. So I, I, I am currently talking to some local people that are on slack in in our channel and we're we're setting up a game day specifically for this and this is how much you know theme matters to chad because this is just a game that if this had any other theme on it i don't think he would even be interested in remotely you are absolutely correct on this (laughs) you are absolutely correct because i really like that tv show and i and i love the books and so if i if i'm i'm like if i'm uh if I'm what is it Greyjoy? No, I don't want to be Greyjoy. That's that's bad because you don't. Uh, I don't want to be a eunuch. Uh, if if I'm, uh, you know Baratheon, you know I'm gonna sit sit on my throne and make deals and you know I mean yeah me who could care less about theme I'm like yeah I, you know I'd I'd play it because of the theme. See, I, I've actually played this one. Oh, you um, have? Yeah. Um, I I think I told you this. My my brother-in-law had this game and he one Christmas he had it home and, and wanted to play it really bad and it was a late night and it was me and I, I'm pretty sure Mason my son played it and then another one of my brother-in-laws and I had the worst headache you could ever imagine but of course you know headaches don't stop me from playing games <laughs> um, and so I was like okay I'll play it 
and we played it. I think we played in the front room and it was like, like barely anywhere to play it. We were like playing like on almost like a, uh, like an ottoman or something. I don't know to be able to play this game. And it was like hot and I had a terrible headache. So I don't remember hardly any of it. I know I played it. I know I completed it. I know I lost, but I, I don't remember much more than that. I think that means that he didn't hate it badly enough to, <laughs> to re, you know, to remember that play. It's so. possible. That's, that's so, possible. Like I said, I would give this a shot. I would be in, in interested enough to play it. Now, if there were six other people that were like, you know, I really, really want to play this. I'm not going to be like, oh, let me play it. I'd, I'd step aside. But like, if you guys needed one more player, count me. Okay. Well, I think we're going to play it first without you and have an experience. And then we'll see if we want to. Wow. What, what was that? Wow. wow. <laughs> okay, then. Moving on. 93 is Raiders of the North Sea. Uh, I think we've all played it. We have. Yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I own it still. I mean, with with both of the ex- expansions. A game that wants another game that should just be with, the, those should just be the game with the expansions. I, I don't think I play this without, at least for me. I don't even know if I'd teach it without them. I've only played it with the expansion. It just seemed to go so long for what it is with both expansions. Did you not? Okay, maybe Chad just taught me without the expansion the first time. Because I remember, once again, it was like a ho-hum game. And then when the expansions, we got the expansion, it was like, okay, wow, this is kind of a cool game. Now, I've cooled on it since then. You know, I mean, it's now come, it's one of those that the replayability just wasn't there. It kind of became a little samey after a few times, but. I think that one of the things that was made our, our play of it go long, Richie, is we were kind of trying to figure out how those yeah, expansions yeah, yeah. fit in because they were, A, they were kind of confusing us to uh, the rules as far as killing off Vikings and using Vikings and, and that sort of thing. But it gets easier as you know what you're doing. I think that the you know this was nominated for a kinderspiel a few years ago and i think that that was because of the unique or some what was sort of unique at the time the place a worker take the action take back a worker take that action mechanism on on each of your turns which is it provides some interesting yeah. thought especially when you have different kinds of workers that can do different kinds of things yeah no i'm mean, good game uh, i mean nothing wrong with it whatsoever it's solid game so Okay, moving on to the next one is, well, it once was Constantinople. Ah, uh, that's Istanbul then. Ooh, yes. <laughs> uh, once again, definitely we have all played it. Yep. Without a shadow of doubt. Um, and this did win the Kenner one year, right? Didn't this win? It it did. It actually beat out, can you guess what it beat out? Man, I do not remember. Maybe. Uh, a Star is Born. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, that's the Oscars. Sorry. Okay. I believe, I have to check this. I'm I'm gonna have to check this, but I th- oh Concordia. Yes, I think it beat and out Concordia. Orleon? Yeah. Well, Was I don't Orleans know. I don't know about Orleans. I know well, it beat I, out Concordia. I like. Oh, this. Uh, Elysium. I think. Oh no, Elysium was recommended. I have no clue. I know Concordia. Or, I, yeah, Concordia. I like Istanbul better than Concordia and mm-hmm. Orleans, so I would. I'd be all fine. You with also that. don't like banana bread, so. Hey, <laughs> I did get a pe- couple people on Slack that said they agreed with me. Yeah, one person, could... one person, and there were more people who think you are a terrorist now because <laughs> i don't like banana bread yes and i earlier today or earlier in the episode i said usa sucks what? <laughs> <laughs> it's all adding up <laughs> uh so just to check that um here's what was nominated concordia rococo <gasps> and istanbul okay oh, well rococo, not yeah. better than rococo <laughs> uh I know I'm in the minority, but Concordia, I I think it's an okay game, but I I don't I don't love it as much as 
Most people do. Well, save it because we're going to talk about that because it's much higher. Oh, all right. <laughs> I think all right. that was a All right, jab. back to Istanbul. <laughs> Which we should say it's by Rudiger Dorn, who has yeah. many good designs out there. Now, this yeah. is a game that the first time I played it, I did not like it. Oh, um, really? But the expansion, the... Uh, uh, the coffee. The yeah, the mo- coffee. Mocha yeah. and, and Bakshish. Yeah. Bakish? That... That changed it around the for coffee. me, and I I ended up buying the game after I played it with the expansion. Yeah. Right, and that and I I have to say for me that's that's what I like about it because otherwise it gets kind of rote because you're talking about a race. Right. the The second expansion, the letters and seals, I can play it, and I can also leave it out. It's not yeah, a must not for me. The 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 coffee is a must for sure. Yeah. So for me, I I don't want the game any bigger than just the first expansion so i'd always rather just play it with the with the because the board gets bigger the more stuff you add to it sure and which makes for a little bit longer game too but again uh, that first expansion is key and and i quite like it that way though yeah agreed all right well finally the last one that we'll talk about here number 91 is yokohama from hisashi hayashi yeah and i and this one's interesting because it's it's interesting that the proximity is so close to istanbul because it is always touted as Istanbul on steroids. Right, yeah. That is kind of interesting that they're so close there in the, in yeah. the rankings. Yeah, huh. and I would, I would say that's probably why I don't own it because Chad has it and I have in, I, Istanbul and I don't. I guess I don't see hey, the point of owning both. I, I was thinking about this the other day. Why has Yokohama not made it back to the table? It was hot when we first had it. I mean, I played it a ton. I probably played it 15 times, I bet you. But now it's just hasn't made it back to the table and i'm i'm talking a long time and i mean i put it on my must play two times this year because i love that game but why is it just i'll tell you why for me and it's not going to be the same reason for you but i'm remedying it i did not go in on yokohama duel but i sure shooting went in on the deluxe bits that i was sad i missed out on. oh my goodness because every time (laughs) i play yokohama with my own copy and i think about bryce's deluxe copy i get really sad and so I am remedying that. I'm playing with my deluxe. This is not crazy, by the way. There are a yes, lot. Yes, it is. No, there are a lot of people. If you look on on Board Game Geek right now, there are a lot of people culling down their collections and spicing up the games that they really love, and that's that's really what that is. And there are some really nice bits to that Yokohama Deluxe, and it also makes it play differently because you can say, okay, look, all the wooden pieces on this card. Get out of what, town. No, I'm serious. Get out of here. I can understand you saying I'd like to make it look prettier and doing all that, but you can't tell me that's the reason it hasn't gotten Yeah, I don't know if that's the reason. It is for me because every time I think <laughs> about it. That's ridiculous. No, that is, that is the reason I don't know if me. I believe that, but because it's not even like the bits are that no. different. I am telling you, so you have those little cardboard chits at their houses, but then in the deluxe game, you have your own house, plus you have people on a card. That is when you can say, okay, I can do this because every piece of wood now that is on that card is scoring power for me no, to do an action. I'll speak just as crazy here. I don't like the deluxe components in that game. They're too big for me for what they do. They're getting they're too big and too much in the way. I wish the player board was bigger when I when I use those deluxe chunky things. I I am just fine with the regular version, but yeah, I'm not going to play it, you know, not play it because I have the deluxe or not deluxe. I would say that the because it's not like anachrony where like if you don't have those minis, I could see not playing that game. Will you put your guy in the I little would, mini? I Are you going to put him I on a cardboard put, token like uh, a chump? Yes, I <laughs> like would. <a> would not. <laughs> totally I would baiting. rather have the minis, but I would still play it. It wouldn't. I wouldn't say, well, I'm not going to bring it to the table because of that. 
If somebody brought that game and they just had the regular version and they said, I really want to play this game, I wouldn't be like, oh, let me stick my nose up in the air. I'm not playing that without those minis. Mm, I would. Uh, <laughs> you guys are crazy. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, that I'm just saying that's that's why for me. But let's play it. I'll play it again. I'm, I can't wait. My bits are coming in hopefully soon. I don't know. I don't know. When you paid $40 for those extra bits. I that is a little did. steep for that. I know. But you know what? Wow. Look at. I just said to myself, I, there are a lot of other games that I have not paid money for that aren't sitting on a sell shelf. No, that's true. That's true. So. And I would I would argue that's probably why it has not hit the table, is that you buy a I lot of games. And <laughs> I haven't pushed for it, right? Like, right. one of us has not so pushed you think for it, and once that's you have the, the reason I have not pushed for it. Yes. Well, yeah, definitely once you get the deluxe bits and you spent 40 bucks, you're going to push to get it on I the table. I sure hope you'd push it on us if you spent $40 <laughs> to have those bits. <laughs> I like my bits. <laughs> okay, so hey, there is the first segment of obviously what will be 10 segments, so nine more to come on us just going through the top 100. You know what happens if it changes and all of a sudden one of those games moves? That's going to maybe we should write down where it's at right now. I'll do that. Okay. All yeah. right, I'll write down. More people are just furiously <laughs> trying to change. I would be... Let's screw the bunch borders. <laughs> Anyways, but well, so hopefully you guys like this and found it interesting. Uh, so I ended up, I had nine out of the 10 games played. Chad, you ended up with having... I think probably eight, if that's right. Okay, you were missing Chaos in the Old World and then... Uh, Game of Thrones I still haven't played yet. Oh, so then seven because you haven't played Ticket to Ride Europe. Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> and then Richie, had you... I had eight. Eight, so I okay. haven't played Game of Thrones or uh, or, or at Labora. So oh, okay. if we had to pick a favorite out of those ten, is it all going to be Grand Hostria Hotel for all of us? It's slam yes. dunk for me. Okay. Yep. Not even close. Yeah, yeah. I, I I guess I'd have to say that. I, now, when I last time, which is a while ago now, when I did my top 100, Yokohama was close, but yeah. It's it's still it doesn't grand. have those deluxe bits. It might change. That's right. It might change soon. That's right. Well, I might have to get you deluxe bits for Grand Austrian Hotel and that insert. <laughs> there you go. Just to make sure it stays up there. I want some strudel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, gang, thank you for listening. You can contact us, punchboardparadise at gmail.com. We're on Board Game Geek Guild 3227. We're on Instagram at punchboardparadise. We are at punchboarders on Twitter. And then we have our Facebook group of Punchboard Paradise. Feel free to hit us up at any of those. If you want to get on our Slack channel still, you can send us an email to the Gmail address. All right, everybody. We really appreciate you listening. Have a great night. Thanks. Thanks for listening.